0: Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and that's Thomas Majors. The Ministry Marks Podcast is based on the Bible verse, Galatians 6, 17, where Paul says that he bears on his body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today on Ministry Marks
1: Podcast, we are going to look at the topic of how do you prepare a sermon? And so I'm going to first ask David how he prepares a sermon, and but I want to be a little bit more specific. So when you prepare your sermon do you how do you prepare your sermon in the first step of picking a passage what do you do how do you outline your your pastoral preaching in picking a passage
0: okay the way I do, and I'm going to give you an example of, a, of what I would do for a Sunday morning message. My Sunday nights are a little different. My Wednesday nights are more of a Bible study. And so how do I prepare a passage? How do I pick a passage for uh, for a Sunday morning sermon is kind of how I'm going to answer this. So what I do uh, for about 10 years, I preached through books. I mean, I preached through books. And, and I just changed that. The Lord changed that in me about a year and a half or so ago. And what I do now is I do I do sermon series on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have just looked at every passage in the book of 2 Corinthians that talked about um, a body that talked about our bodies and we're gonna be looking at the book of Ephesians and look going to be looking at love letters. So what I do is it starts with it starts with reading the Bible book now I'm not one of these guys who can memorize the Bible book backwards I can't do that but but I read it I will read it and as I'm reading I am thinking Lord speak to me I would love to preach out of your word from this text if you would allow something to come to my mind so I trust in the spirit of the Lord to bring something to my mind as I was reading through ephesians and I was looking at love 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 as I was doing that I, that's kind of what I began to think about and And so that's what I do is I I read through a passage and I want a certain aspect of that passage to speak to my heart as it speaks to my heart, I then just start jotting down notes. I always have a notebook beside me when I'm sermon preparing or preparing a sermon. And so I'll just start jotting down notes. Hey, here's a decent idea. Hey, here's a thought. Uh, next, I will then immediately, I will grab uh, my strongest uh, NIV concordance and I will look through that and begin to look at some of the keywords. How many times is this word used in this epistle? How many times is this used in this book? And I'll begin to see some things, some common threads that are flowing throughout that book, and so that's kind of how I pick the passage, or how I pick the book, and then how I pick the passages within the book that I'm looking to preach on. Thomas, how about you? All right, my approach is different than your approach. So
1: I am a, I would say, I would describe myself as a consecutive, systematic, expository preacher. And so I pick books of the Bible and I work through that book. Now, I spend a lot of time in my preparation as far as picking the book. But so on every on Sunday mornings, I've been preaching through the book of Luke here at Holly for for a while. We don't talk about the date because (laughs) I've been in it a while. Okay, so uh, that's not a sore subject. Because every sermon stands alone, but but I've been in it for a while. But what I do is I just preach through a book, and I preach it not necessarily verse by verse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not a verse by verse preacher. Mm-hmm. I'm a pericope by pericope mm-hmm. preacher. And basically what I mean by pericope is a thought block. Mm-hmm. So I preach a thought block instead of a verse or necessarily a paragraph, because a thought block could be one paragraph or it could be multiple paragraphs according to the genre. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the epistles and Paul, usually a pericope is going to be a one paragraph. If you're in a narrative book like the Gospels or some of the Old Testament books, or maybe even the book of Acts, it could be multiple paragraphs in that pericope. So I just move systematically through a book, looking at it pericope by pericope. And I believe that the reason I do that is because my view of the the inspiration of God's Word, the way the Holy Spirit has deemed that book to be written, I want to preach it in such a way as that as well. So I just move through it. So every Sunday I'm not having to I'm not having to pick necessarily a topic I'm just going to the next pericope, and and I outline that out. So so I have all of my sermons outlined right now until the end of September. Because <laughs> because I know when I start preaching through a book, I will I will pick my book, and then I will start going through it, and I'll read it and reread it, and then I outline the book, mm-hmm. and I start looking at those pericopes, and I start putting dates to it. I bring out a calendar, and I look at the dates where Christmas is going to be, Easter is going to be, Mother's Day and Father's Day, sanctity of human life. I fill those in, and then I start going through, and I put out those passages where I've outlined it so that I know what I'm going to be preaching, let's say, in September, the second Sunday in September. I could pull up the file that is on my computer and tell you what I was going to be preaching. So I'm not necessarily picking a passage mm-hmm. for that Sunday. I'm just moving consecutively and systematically mm-hmm. through a particular book. And I find that when I do that, that I preach. I preach on topics that I love. <laughs> I get to preach some of the wonderful passages <laughs> of Scripture. And then the next Sunday, I may preach one of those passages I don't love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so I the next Sunday, I may preach. I may preach on salvation one Sunday, and then the next Sunday I may have to preach on adultery, and yeah. so it just varies my preaching enough that I like it, and and I haven't I haven't heard any complaints. Mm-hmm. If you're from Holly and you would like to complain on this, please don't. <laughs> uh, just, just please don't. I, I like preaching consistently
0: yeah. and systematically through through the Bible. So, do you have a preliminary outline before you ever start your before you ever preach your first sermon? Do you have the entire book outlined, or do you work a little ahead and and just stay a little ahead? What are your thoughts? How do you do it?
1: I do it by a year. So, in the summer when things have calm down. People are going on vacation. There's still a lot of things to do in ministry. I'm I'm a PhD student, so usually the summer is very relaxed for me. There's camps to go to. There's other things, but I find that's the best time for me to sit in my office, to, to shut my office door, yeah. to pull out the Bible, and then I'll work for a year, and so I'll plan out a year. Now, this past summer, what I did is I went over a year because I was outlining the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop. I just went ahead. When I, when I got to the point I would normally stop, I just said, well, I'm going to go ahead and outline the rest of the book because I'm pretty close mm-hmm. to being done. I'm in chapter 22 of 24 chapters of Luke right now. So yeah, yeah. so I'm close to being done. So I do it by, by year mainly.
0: Yeah, okay. And so whenever I'm developing a sermon series, I, I'm the series we've just concluded was 4 weeks long the one we're heading to is uh, 6 weeks long i believe the one after that i'm just starting to work on so i'm only a few weeks ahead whenever i've been mean ahead i have the passage written down i've got it in my i've got it in my computer i have the title and the points and the cross-reference passages for all of those already, um, so that's where I'm at. And so I think we've kind of worked through how we, how we select a passage. And so now let's let's get to the actual writing of the outline. So Thomas, what do you start with w- when you get the outline? Now I know you you start with a passage, but what's the next thing you do?
1: Okay, so before I write an outline. I start doing my exegetical work. Okay. And so as I said, I've picked out the pericope, so I know the the parameters. I know the the parentheses. I know I know that the outlines of that passage. And so after I've picked that pericope, I look at that pericope and I begin to read it. And I read it and I read it and I read it I read it multiple times because you got to you just understand the flow better the first time you read it you just kind of you might get caught by a word here or there and you think about it but after you read it two or three times you find I find I find in myself that I start concentrating on the flow of the passage after that so I start looking at the words then the flow of it and then is it Tori's tips is it Tori's tips from, I believe so. from exegesis? You dig, yeah. dig, dig, yeah. Dig. <laughs> I dig. I, I dig, dig, dig. That's what I do. Yeah. I, I start moving through that passage. And basically what I'm doing as I, I begin to dig. I'm looking for those connections, mm-hmm. the, the historical aspect of the passage, the literary aspect of the passage, the grammatical aspects, of contextual aspects of it. But I'm also... As I get to the point where I start looking at some of the original language, I begin to pick out those verbs. Verbs are crucial for me as I'm beginning to uh, to think about what I'm I'm going to preach and how I'm going to do so, because I like preaching verbs. Uh I just do. I I like to be able to uh, to compel my people with the verbs of the passage. Some of them don't have that. And I have to do something differently. But for the most part, I'm looking for those verbs. They're the action part. They're wanting to yeah. to move people. And so that's what I do. I look at the verbs. I look at the nouns. Uh-huh. I see who's doing it. And basically, I'm digging the passage as much as I can in the original language. But also, we use English. Hey, and today, we have a great opportunity because I don't have to pull out my Greek New Testament. I can do that from Logos on sure. my computer. And so I can do all of that within... Just a short period of time. The exegesis does not take that long compared to when I first started in ministry. And maybe that's because maybe that's because I've learned a little bit. (laughs) Most of the times when I come to a passage now, it's not my first my first experience with that passage. So I'm drawing upon past experiences. But I'm systematic in what I do when looking through those. What about you? What do you do?
0: Okay, so so you have said that you are an exegesis before outline guy. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am an outline before exegesis guy. And I, I do this for a purpose. Um I I highly respect the guys that I have previously sat under as 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 pastors, whomever they may be, Um, as friends, uh, messages that I've heard preached by professors, by 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 other preachers. Whenever I look at a passage, I'm going to read it and reread it. I agree with you. I read it many, many times. And then I will begin to sense a theme Typically, that theme is the direction of my points. And so as I sense a theme, I start to write down my points. One, two, three, four, whatever many it's going to be. And then the title will be related to those points. Title comes in later. But one of the first things I do is I ask myself this, do I remember hearing someone preach on this passage? And if I can say, yes, I remember someone preaching on this passage, then I will try my best to think, how did he handle this passage? If he was my pastor, he was my pastor for a reason. That church had confidence in him. They called him to be my pastor whenever I was growing up. And so I think, have I ever heard him discuss this passage? And what direction did he take it? So I will build my outline before I do exegesis. It's what works best for me. Upon the building, of, uh, upon the building of the outline, I then turn to exegesis. Once my outline is built, exegesis is the very next thing. I will look at, if it's a a 10 verse passage that I'm wanting to look at, that's when I began to read and I began to look at the, the verses individually the verbs, the nouns, very similar to what you uh, just said about how you do your exegetical work. My exegetical work is very is very similar. I preach from the New King James Version, uh, but in reading, I, I read the New American Standard, I read the Holman Christian Standard for the passages I'm going to be reading. I read the Holman Christian Standard Study Bible Notes, and that's just little snippets here and there, but it's good stuff. I, I always read, always read John MacArthur's Study Notes for the passage. i always read. And this this book wasn't even allowed at Blue Mountain College. Dr. Meek said it wasn't scholarly enough, but I love it. He gives Fantastic information. For every sermon I have ever preached, I have always read what J. Vernon McGee said. It's simple. It's simple. But I love to read what he wrote and then always read, I typically read John Phillips. Uh, so those are the guys that I read. There are other people that come in. The passage may dictate that I'll look in other directions, but those four are going to be read by me absolutely every time. So that's kind of how, kind of how I do my exegetical work.
1: Okay, so there, we differ on that because I, I do the exegesis first, mm-hmm. and then I look at the structure. There is a preacher who does that, what you do, uh-huh. and he does that as well. Kenny Digby has uh, this seven S's that he talks about, and the seven S's of, of preparation for a sermon is Scripture, Subject, Substance, Structure, Scheme, Style, Spirit. And so basically what he says you start with scripture. Mm, yeah. Amen to that. Right? <laughs> start with scripture and then you pick out the subject of the passage and then you move to the substance where you are where you are looking through it. And and Dr. Digby and I have talked about this, but I I'm I'm opposite. I want to do the exegesis first before I say the subject of the passage is this because I don't want I don't want my thoughts on the passage to determine what I believe the subject. I want the subject to come out of the exegesis. So that's the reason I do that. I start with exegesis. I do look, now you mentioned something that you look at other translations. I do that as well. I've Mm -hmm. got, I use uh, electronic resources, so Mm -hmm. I've got the ESV, the Christian Standard Bible, the New American Standard, the New King James, the King James. I've got all of those. And, yeah. and as I'm looking through that passage, I will see how they translated those words differently. And so that's one of the things that I do okay. as well.
0: Okay, so now I, I think we are through with the outline and the exegesis. Ours came in different ways. Uh, so what are we up to now, Thomas, And we're, when we're thinking about how do we prepare a sermon? Well I haven't
1: even finished my outline yet. okay and so I've just I've just been doing the exegesis so far but uh-huh. now after I've done the exegesis, that is when I move to what I would call the foundational elements. okay the foundational the, it is what begins to to make the sermon. It is uh-huh. the foundation as if you were building a house, you would start with a foundation. Uh-huh. this is the foundational elements of a sermon and if you went to Blue Mountain College, We both did. We were in Dr. Meek's preaching class. He uses Harold Bryson's uh, method, uh, ETS, ESS, OSS, probing question, and a unifying word. Basically, ETS means the essence of the text in a sentence. (laughs) And so what I do is I begin to look at that passage. I've (laughs) done the exegesis, and then I write one sentence, one short sentence in the past tense that says what that passage is about. Mm -hmm. That basically tells me what the passage is about, and then I can move to the ESS, the essence of the sermon in a sentence. Mm -hmm. What what is my sermon going to be about? Yeah. Well, there should be an obvious connection between (laughs) the ETS and the ESS, and so if the Bible is communicating this, then I want my sermon to communicate. So the ETS and the ESS are going to be similar, not necessarily, they don't have to be similar in wording, but in subject, they yeah. should be. Yeah, One is past tense, because the mm-hmm. Bible has spoken, or God has spoken mm-hmm. through His Word. And then the other is present tense. The ESS is written in a present tense, because you want to communicate that to your people. Mm-hmm. And then you move to the objective. Mm-hmm. I write my objective in a way such as hearers, will, and then I put whatever... I want those people to do yeah. after that. And so if I want them to acknowledge God's character, then that's what I say. Hearers will acknowledge God's character of whatever it may be. Yeah. Hearers will respond mm-hmm. by devoting time and prayer at mm-hmm. the altar. Well well, that's what I want them to do. I want them to respond by prayer. Yeah. And so that's my objective. If I want people to be saved, then hearers will respond in salvation. Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm writing out what my objective is going to be. And then I begin to uh, I ask a probing question. Mm-hmm. What, what is this passage about? What is happening in the passage? Mm-hmm. Who is it? And, and that basically, as I answer that probing question, mm-hmm. that basically becomes my outline Mm -hmm. For the sermon. Gotcha. So, and then as I write the outline, I write it in a, an, an application sense. Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking about, if we're talking about the functional elements of a sermon, Mm -hmm. that is application, illustration, explanation. If you're going to write for me, Mm -hmm. now this is for me, if I'm going to write my my points of the sermon, I'm always going to write them as an application point yes. instead of an explanation. Yeah. I want the people to understand what I I am communicating at the beginning. So, uh, point number one is do uh, hear the word. I'm going to I'm going to write it uh-huh. in such a way that it's not explaining something, but it's compelling them to do something. That way, yeah. when I, at the beginning, they hear application, and at the end of that point, they hear application, then I move to the second one. Yeah. Application, application, application. Because, as I've said, I think preaching is about application. So that's yeah. the reason I write that Yeah, uh, that way. What about you? So then
0: after your application, do you then work on your introduction, or do you or do you build your points and the introduction comes last? How do you do that? So, yeah, I,
1: I write out... The foundational elements, ETS, and I write them down on paper. Mm. I used to not do that. That is your introduction. No, no. Okay. That's not my introduction. Okay. But but I write, it becomes part of my introduction, but not the the main introduction. Uh So I write out those foundational elements. I write them out. I write out the points. uh, And then as I've done that, I know that point number one, I'm going to go through the functional elements. I'm going to explain Mm -hmm. the passage. Uh I'm going to illustrate the passage. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to apply it some way. Uh So I don't have to worry about substructure, sub yeah. point A, sub point B, sub point point one <laughs> and, yeah. and things like that. I'm going to explain, yeah. illustrate yeah. and apply. Yeah. And then after I've written after I know what my structure is going to be uh-huh. later on, I write and I write a complete uh-huh. I write a complete manuscript okay. and I write it. From beginning to end, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I want to understand how it's going to flow. So I'll begin with the introduction. I'll write an introduction. Then I'll make a transitional statement, go through my, put all of the, the parts in of the sermon that I want to, first point, second point, third point, that expansion, yeah. the explanation, application, illustration. I'll write the conclusion, and then I'll go back and read it. I'll yeah. edit it a few times, and but it's not a sermon until it's preached. That's and right. So, That's right. So, but then I, that's, that's how I build a sermon. That's the steps that I go through.
0: Okay. All right. Let me, and and ours is similar and and, and the product is very similar. uh, But let me, all right. So on, on Mondays, I want my outline done to get it to my ministry team uh, for music, projector, bulletin. So on Mondays, my outline is finished. Uh, by Tuesday, I, I, I want to be really in the Word and uh, really in that sermon. So So I will begin to develop my introduction. And my introduction uh, goes by, uh, it's kind of an altered Adrian Rogers introduction. I do a Hey You Look Now. It's a four-part introduction. Hey, opening illustration that goes along with the topic of the passage, the title of the sermon. Hey, you, this is how this passage applies to you. And I will say, have you ever, have you ever been in this situation? And I I want the person to look at the passage and say, Wow, I was just there last week, and and here Paul Paul is there, and I want them to identify with the with the with the person in the passage. Look, I will always say if you were here last week, you know that we covered, and I will give the sermon and the three points from the previous week's message. That usually takes about fifteen seconds. It's just an overview, and what I want to do with that is I want someone to say, "Man, I hate to miss last week. I'm not going to miss next Sunday." So hey, you look at it now. I want to share three ideas with you about, and then I restate the title. So then I work through each point. In each point, I walk through each, each verse. If it's five verses in this point, I always break my passage down. And every verse that is in that passage will show up again in a point. And then I place my cross-reference verse. That's how I do. I wanna have a cross-reference for every point. I learned that years ago. Randy Bostic was preaching a revival at a church I was pastoring. And I noticed he had a point, he had a cross-reference. He had a point, he had a cross-reference. And I said, ding, ding, ding. I need to do that. And I picked that up probably seven or eight years ago and have been doing that since that time. So as I am working on a point, I will do, and I've already done my exegesis, that goes into the explanation. Second, cross-reference. Third, illustration. Fourth, application. Our, Our setup is very similar. Now, I will illustrate... I will use an opening illustration and I will use an illustration for each point, but I rarely, if ever, have a closing illustration if I'm preaching in my pulpit. If I'm preaching as an itinerant or a revivalist, that is something different, but 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 I, I will use illustrations, four illustrations for a three-point sermon. For me, it's the hardest part of the sermon. It's easy to read what other guys have said and help me explain it to my people. It's easy, in my opinion, to, to apply it. The most difficult part for me is illustration. I think there are a lot of guys who do not use illustrations because it is difficult. You may ask me, David, why in the world do you use illustrations like that? Well, I don't want my sermons to be quickly forgotten. If I wanted them to be quickly forgotten, I would not use an illustration, but I think illustrations help the person remember what you've shared. My wife and I have been married for almost 21 years, and we love to get out and hit the old back road. Sure, you can get from point A to point B on an interstate, but you can take a little side road to see some beautiful scenes. An illustration is simply a change of scenery heading to in the same direction. So I like to use illustration. I believe illustration should be brief and to the point. If your illustration is over two minutes long within a sermon, it's way too long, cut it down. Get it to where it's less than one minute in length and use that illustration to help uh, go along beside the passage. So now, I will conclude with an invitation question. You begin with a probing question And the probing question in your sermon will be very similar to the invitation question in my sermon. The invitation question is summing up this passage and its application point, what is this calling us to do? I want them to think about that as soon as the sermon is heading toward invitation. And I always say every week, here's the invitation question. And then I will read the invitation question. Sometimes I will read it two times And so I want all of that work done by Wednesday. Once it's done on Wednesday, I then preach it Thursday morning, every Thursday morning. I preach somewhere, either at a nursing home or the Itawamba County Jail. I'm preaching somewhere, Thursday morning, 10 o'clock. And then after I preach on Thursday morning, I then do a sermon preview for Facebook, and I post it on Friday. We posted one yesterday, but I want to give our people an idea of the passage. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians. These are the verses we're looking at. And I want to give them an idea of how the direction this sermon will be going and then on Sunday morning, I preach through the message mentally at least one more time. So by the time I stand to preach it, I preach through it at least twice, if not three times. So that's how I develop my sermon, Thomas.
1: And I'm sure that as you go through the sermon that many times that by Sunday morning, it's polished and it's ready and oh, yeah. and you've you've taken out some of the fluff and you're getting right to the heart of the message. Well, David, we're out of time. We have discussed this topic. There's a lot more things that we can talk about about preparing a sermon as far as writing uh, the illustrations, writing different things. And so we are uh, we're going to go ahead and end Next time, our next podcast is going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Preachers. So it's going to be four preachers that David believes if we were going to build a monument for, that these guys should be on it. And then I'm going to have four guys as well. Uh, who, four guys who would, if we we're going to build a monument, they would be on it. So I hope you will tune in for that podcast as well. Thanks for listening.